You know there's a thing. It's called no, no, it's called, oh, I forget what it's called. Like I'm hand, a, hand washing meme? Yeah, I'm a bad, I'm a bad pusher. But like, d- don't take that out of context. <laughs> um, but like, there's this thing, I'm tr- do you see me trying to adjust my glasses? <laughs> and I don't have them on. Um, <laughs> there's this website where you can go and it's like, wash your meme. I think it's called wash your meme. I don't know. And you put in what song you want to wash your hands to. And it gives you a chart to, with the lyrics to show what you should be doing at that time during the song while you're singing it? The internet works fast, honestly. The internet works in mysterious ways. Mm -hmm. I had Siri press down. She heard you say, I'm not a good pusher. Siri, don't. (laughs) Siri, don't take it out of context. I'm not a drug pusher. Guys, this week's episode is brought to you by the grape juice that was in Carrie Ann's fridge when I got here. (laughs) It's from the Aldi's. I'll have to go back and get a name for you. We'll tweet it or something. But this is... Oh, I just spilled it all over myself. I felt it hit my shoe. I'm so (laughs) sorry. It wasn't that big. Because, like, our knees are practically touching. I, so. Oh, we're going to need <laughs> just, to take a break at some point. Did you slosh a lot of it? I didn't slosh a lot of it, but it's on my hands. It's going to get sticky. Sticky, sticky. No. Sticky and wet makes mommy upset. <laughs> oh, no. Mm. I had a dream one time that you worked for BuzzFeed. Yeah. And it was a problem. Like, it was, <laughs> it was a problem between me and you. Oh, no. It was like a moral problem between me and you. And you wouldn't let it go. I wouldn't let it go? You wouldn't let it go, and neither would I. And we didn't talk to each other for years. <laughs> All over BuzzFeed. All over BuzzFeed. I swear to God, this dream lasted <laughs> 10 or 15 years, and yeah. I would probably lasted 0.3 seconds right? in reality. I know. Uh, it was really sad. It was more of a nightmare. What was all? Oh, I love you. I love you too. <laughs> what was I writing listicles about? Stupid shit. Well, of course. Like, which what, what, the top ten white people drinks? <laughs> like it was like like you know what Buzzfeed is? You know like <laughs> dumb listicles. Dumb listicles. My but favorite. You were getting renowned. You were blowing up, and I was jealous. And I was telling you know you're being fake as shit. I know you're not this person. You don't believe in this shit, right? What you want to believe? And you were like, listen, you're overreacting. I don't have. To time to talk to you. I have to write an article about the top 10 movies to watch during a manic upswing. Like, I... I I don't have time for questions right You're now. You're writing shit about a lot of shit about drinks. <laughs> You're writing a lot of shit about vacation destinations, like top ten places to go after a breakup. Yeah, all that shit. You guys can have these. Like, go ahead. Go ahead. Top ten fan-inspired fantasy sci-fi drinks. You did one in the dream that was top ten BuzzFeed articles. I did not on BuzzFeed, and I was like, and then everybody thought that was so meta that they were just like gobbling it up. The one I saw, the BuzzFeed. Article headline I saw, I thought it was an onion article. I thought the onion was making fun of BuzzFeed, but the actual article was 33 thoughts you have while eating a salad. No, it's shit like that! (laughs) Like, oh my god. Homie, I don't read BuzzFeed. My legs are already going to sleep. (laughs) I'm going to be a circulatory disaster for the doctors in about 40 years. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Guys, get you some Aldi's brand grape juice. (laughs) This shit smacks. It's slapping hard. (laughs) My tongue is a wonderland. (laughs) It's a grape wonderland. If you like tang and like high fructose corn syrup. (laughs) (laughs) It's great stuff. 
Emma Watson was my crush. I like, know. From, from like, how old was I when Harry Potter came out? I was like five. Yeah. From like five all the way through, babe. Like, <laughs> even during the pixie cut years, I was on it. Yeah. Even though like in Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, um, we find out that um, Hermione didn't free the elves. Wait, really? And that was literally like her whole thing <gasps> when she was young. Hermione, Like no. she started Spew. The Society for the Promotion of Elfish Welfare <laughs> at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry in 1994. And then she didn't free them? Yeah, no. Okay, I hate Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. I hate it. Joanne, what were you doing? I mean, Joanne, what is pretty much my feeling about her lately? I know, and it sucks. Don't meet your heroes. Don't do it. Don't meet your heroes. Don't I, follow your heroes on Twitter. I love her to death, but why you gotta be a turf motherfucker? Ugh. Anyway, please consider Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them and Harry Potter and the Cursed Child not a part of HP canon. Please exclude it. Please excuse our mess. Yes. <laughs> Listen to me when I say we do not fucking need five Fantastic Beast movies. Have you guys ever read the book? It's a half an inch thick. It's one of those books you're supposed to keep by the toilet. Exactly. It's fun. It's for fun. Five films? It's crazy. And I'm honestly glad that she is as well adjusted as she is. Because mm -hmm. we know the boy suffered. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe became bad alcoholic after being done with Harry Potter and Rupert Grant just kind of like disappeared. He bought an ice cream truck. Yeah. And gives out free ice cream to children. Like he's done. He has a slide in his home. He's done all of the fun things with his Harry Potter <laughs> money that he can think of and good things. And Emma's out there still overachieving. I mean, that, I feel like that's what it would have happened to all three characters. <laughs> oh my God. After the war, at oh the end God. of Harry Potter, I feel like Harry just gets real in his vices because of the trauma. I feel like her Maybe Ron invests in the joke shop. Absolutely. Maybe. I and think the that, candy. I think that's what, I think that's what ends up, I think he helped them for a while. It's been years since I've read those books. Afterwards, so. but. And so. And wait, doesn't that movie have my uh, movie husband in it? Your movie husband? Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh is Sir Lawrence Olivier. Yes. Guys, I love Kenneth Branagh. I Harry Potter connection. I know. Don't you love that? We can just go round and round. Honestly thought you wrote Gail Cadeau as Diana, Princess of Wales. No. And I was like, oh, when did that happen? Uh, but no. Okay, Gail Cadeau and Wonder Woman. Hell yeah. Hello. Hey, I don't know what you're listening to, but we're picking it up on the mic. Too loud. I got it. <laughs> Say hi, podcast world. Hello, podcast world. <laughs> That's super awesome production assistant, Gavin. It's Gavin. And Troy McClure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Guys, we love him. Can you hear him in the mic? Yeah. Hell yeah. She, she's like one of the, you know, I don't know that I would necessarily have an angel and a devil on my shoulder, but it, but it would be definitely two different things. I think one of those things would be Marissa Tomei. <laughs> don't buy those sunglasses. They're ugly. <laughs> They're absolutely tragic. Oh my God. That Chinese food looks terrible. <laughs> Why are you putting that in your body? <laughs> I just, I, every time I see Jodie Foster in a movie, my first thought is, okay, this is going to be the person 
with their head on straight. Yeah. She's just kind of always the smartest person in the room. Like Rashida Jones in a Greg Daniels mockumentary. For real. <laughs> That was like one of Rupert Grint's post-Harry Potter projects, During right? Harry Potter projects. Oh, like there at the end? No, 2006. Oh. He had just did Goblet of Fire, and it stars him and Julie Walters, who plays Ron's mom in Harry Potter. It's so fitting. It's fun. And so... <laughs> it's fun. It is fun. <laughs> It kind of reminds you remember that time that mom bought you Stand By Me for your birthday when you were like 12? I do. Even though it's rated R. Yeah. And dad was like, Jules, just because it's got kids on the box doesn't mean it's for kids, honey. <laughs> Mom's like, oh, I had no idea. She didn't. Bless her soul. I'll never forget the time mom and dad took me to see horrible bosses <laughs> in the theater. And you just I was wanted like to die. 13. And yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't want to die. I thought it was hilarious. My parents wanted to die my dad was like looking around seeing if people were seeing me with them because of the shit they were saying in the movie they were all so dying laughing too like they didn't want to see they didn't want me to see they were enjoying it but like god bless our mother who had the presence of mind today to call her anxious children and ask how they're doing during all this coronavirus stuff thanks mom yeah we love she's you she's like you doing okay got enough food i'll come get you do i need to come get you metaphorically speaking yeah no she didn't say any of that shit or say it like that but <laughs> anne hathaway is fontaine in Les Miserables. You know, her mother played that role for a long time. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Her mother was in a touring production of Les Mis as Fontaine. I saw that this movie is eight years old, and I almost threw up. Yeah, I know, right? Don't you remember sitting in the theater? Yeah. Losing it. Les Mis was the first film that I went to watch in a theater, and I cried through it. No. I never cried at a movie before. It wasn't that I was crying. It's that I just leaked the whole two hours. Exactly. You, crying every five minutes. Like Tom Hooper, dude. Yeah. Tom Hooper, you can you can strum our heartstrings. Where was that Les Mis energy during Cats, huh? Where was that Les Mis energy during Cats, Tom? <laughs> Tom, I honestly forgot you being associated with cats, and I'm mad again. I love it when I do that. Tom, shame on you! God. Um, Talk about something else. I think the authenticity in this film is very real. And what? This what? Is the authenticity. I know, I know what I said. <laughs> oh, you poor dear. Oh, my God. The authenticity in this film is very good. I love Jordan Peele's film work. It's, it's, we have great things to look forward to. You excited for Candyman? I am on the floor about Candyman. <laughs> I can't wait. Give my white ass that creator of color context. Um, like literally when he stepped off the boat to greet her when he got to England, he gets in her ear and immediately starts talking about wanting to touch her vagina. Oh, God. And I'm like, that's the Queen of England, fool. <laughs> like, what are you doing? She read those books cover to cover. She she did her research. She was the Christopher Lee. Maggie. She was the yeah. Christopher Lee Maggie of the production. Smith, Maggie Smith literally did so much research for this character. And I'm glad that she, as the seasoned actress that she was at the time, got to be a kid. I know. And, you know, she got to experience this story with everyone. And my favorite sequence with Maggie is McGonagall 
is entering the castle for the first time. Yes. Welcome to Hogwarts. My other favorite is is in Deathly Hallows. There's not even any dialogue. She's just whooping Snape's ass. <laughs> yes. Like that's such a badass scene. <laughs> When she's dueling with Snape, after Snape turns into a cloud and eats out the window, <laughs> she just lights the great hall back up again, and she's like, there's order back, bitches. <laughs> Everybody step on back. I got this shit. My, my, my one McGonagall moment from the books is in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, when Harry, the first time Harry takes it too far in Umbridge's class, she sends him to see McGonagall, and he goes into McGonagall's like personal office. Yeah. And she's sitting him down and she's like reading the report uh-huh. that Umbridge has written out for her. And she's like, I don't understand. You really said all this shit to her? <laughs> and he's like, more or less. <laughs> And he's expecting her to rip his head off. Yeah. And she literally just goes behind her desk, opens up a tin of cookies and goes, Potter, have a biscuit. <laughs> Let's talk. Let's dish. Let's dish. Because I have strong feelings about this. That's excellent. And they, you know, they gossip about the bitch. Anyway. Finally, another Oscar. Yeah. Like, I remember watching it with some of my roommates when she accepted the Oscar for this performance. And she talked for a long time. And I remember saying that out loud. And my roommate goes, you can't play her off. You can't play the music. She hasn't won in 30 years. She really hadn't. Yeah. 29. It was long deserved. Yeah. And they called her the Iron Lady in Russia. Because, you know, she was indomitable. Russians were surprised that, number one, they had a formidable new enemy, but they had a formidable new enemy that was a woman. Yeah. It's like that feeling you get when you watch movies and you're like, oh, the villain's a woman. Yeah. This is going to be interesting. And like. So if you were going to make a biopic about a woman in history and you were going to make it today with the actresses who are alive and still working today who would you make it about and who would you cast in that role and you're looking at me because I already know what you're going to say but I have to say it for the microphone (laughs) so go ahead and tell me Roz I don't think it really counts because it's already really been done honest to goodness if we can have three different Batman franchises we can have multiple films about one of the greatest first ladies in our country's history Abigail Adams yeah Yes. Guys. Laura Linney. Laura Linney has already portrayed Abigail Adams and HBO's John Adams, Tom Hooper. Oh, uh, I love Tom Hooper and Gemma Jackson. Anyway, but I would love to do just like an Abigail Adams thing, but like she already took the cake. Yeah, you and don't think you could improve upon I, it? I honestly don't know who else I would pick to play her. Laura Linney became her. Abigail Adams was a sassy, uppity woman in a time where that wouldn't have been considered attractive, but she had everyone's respect. Oh, she was... because, uh, And she was revered in her community. She, she was, was too an, good for this she world. She was an educated woman. And she was hyper-concerned with rhetoric involving women at the time because women were kind of being forgotten about with all the war. Exactly. And she predicted that women would not be included in their new republic. She been new. And it is my personal opinion, and I think the opinion of many historians, that John Adams started this country. When you think about it, you know, there's that old trope, the woman behind the man. John Adams leaned on Abigail Adams for everything. They were apart 
for more of their marriage than, than they, they were, were together. Yeah. Like there in the beginning. Oh yeah. They that, didn't see each other for I think seven years. That's why we have series like John Adams, because we have all this correspondence between the two of them mm-hmm. during those years. It was always in the forefront of her mind, you know. What's going to happen to women? We're not just chattel. Women followed her example to be, you know, the voice in the ear of the husband. And I'm not trying to perpetuate this Republican motherhood bullshit, but like... No, it was it was the way we worked within the system at the time. Yeah, and... With what little rights and power we had. Abigail Adams was his rock, and she helped him make policy. She informed a lot of his decisions. He, She was his most trusted advisor. He would always, you know, address his letters, my dearest friend. Aww. You know, and in, in their early courtship when they, they didn't want anybody to know that they were <laughs> being, you know, with one another. <laughs> they would address their la- their letters, uh, Lysander and Diana. Oh, bar. Yeah. They, like, it, she was extremely lucky for that her father was a Congregationalist minister who educated her. Mm-hmm. You know, taught her four different languages. Let her read classics, you know. Mm-hmm. Who would you do your biopic about? The first thing I thought of was I would want to write a movie about female pirates. And the two that everybody always talks about are Anne Bonnie and Mary Reed, because they spent a significant portion of their lives aboard this ship disguised as men. Neither of them knew the other was really a woman. It came out that they were when one of them had a crush on the other. Ahoy! Ahoy! Oh my god. Ahoy, Anne Bonnie is captain's is the captain's partner. She's not just some wench in disguise. She's actually his partner, and they like they were huge pains in the ass to the British Royal Navy, you know, for many, many years. And finally, a pirate hunter caught them off guard because they were having a rum party and were too drunk to fight. And then everybody got taken into custody. They were tried and sentenced to hang for piracy. But Anne and Mary weren't hanged because they were pregnant at the time they were sentenced. And they were going to be executed after they gave birth. Mm -hmm. Mary died in prison before she could be executed. And there is no record of Anne Bonnie's release, her death, or her execution. No one knows what happened to her. And I think that's where the events of my movie would pick up. Like, she's escaped from jail, and now she's going to rule the high seas. Like, that that's the movie I would write. 